Hello and welcome to another week, another dose, and another episode of the Hardcore Honest Tea Podcast with me, your host, Logan Slaughter, also known as Logan Hardcore when she's up in the fucking foolishness, girls. Uh, how is everyone? If For those of you that are new here, listen, this is what it is. It's a unedited, unfiltered, one-take, um, sometimes solo podcast. And, you know, we're going to get into what the next few weeks are going to hold in a little bit. But um, I am going to ask that if you guys are enjoying yourself, so please leave a five-star review or a five-star rating and a review below. Um, believe it or not, it does help. And... The end goal is to be picked up by a production. So, like, let's get this. Let's. I have a goal each month of how, much, how many ratings and reviews I'd like to hit. And I hit January, and I would love to hit February, and I just realized I haven't promoted it at all. Um, and we also have our Patreon, which you can search the hashtag Logan Hardcore, or the tag Logan Hardcore, and it will come up. It's the Hardcore Honesty Patreon. Um, I do want to just dab into RuPaul's Drag Race really quick and just talk about the Rusical episode. It was, you know, the Rusical episode for me kind of comes down to where it's, it's Rusical and Snatch Game for me is usually where you'd see the two and the ball. There's three main challenges in the season for me and it's those three. Um, and this one is kind of what I expected. I, the girls I expected to shine did and the girls that I thought, you know, I don't... Uh, this season doesn't have a lot of... We're getting to the point where there's not a lot of um, bad girls. You know, I have, like, two or three in order that I would eliminate, and then I think there's a solid top six. Um, and I'm really looking forward to see where this goes. I think this week coming up is going to be some fucking quarantine episode. I don't know. Like, just get to Snatch Game. Um, I am going to say Tina must have been really excited this week when she heard that the category was yellow. Um, and I do also believe that in watching how they compare Drag Race US and how they judge Drag Race US <clears throat> and Drag Race UK, um, it's very biased in the US. I said what I said. Like, it's very produced, which I've been saying. I feel like they know who they want to win before the episode even happens. And I feel like it's just very, very produced. Meanwhile, over in the UK, I think it's very organic. And um, I have to say, I felt really bad for Tina this week. I think she did the best in the Rusical. Um, she had the biggest part. She did not fumble. And the biggest thing they can pinpoint is that she didn't lip sync two words. Girl, fuck off. RuPaul has a lip sync a song in. Rotted. Gutted. That's basic. Tired. This bitch telling us not to wear H&M. Meanwhile, she's hawking Old Navy commercials. She goes where the money is because she's a fracking queenie. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I don't know. The season of U.S. is kind of just not it for me. Like, I'm so in love with the U.K., and I don't know if you guys watch it, so I don't dive into it a lot on here. What I am going to say is the Real Housewives of New Jersey have picked back up. And, 
That is really exciting for me because it's one of my favorite Housewives franchises. Um, I am uh, interviewing Margaret Joseph. Actually, tonight is Sunday. I'm interviewing her Tuesday, I believe. And the episode will come out next Monday. Um, the next, so that kind of gets me into what I want to speak about. The next few weeks are going to, every week is going to have a guest. Um, the interviews will be pre-recorded. They will not be edited. They will be added in directly after this opening moment that I'm doing right now. Um, if you listen on Patreon, you know what's coming. I'm just going to say that in this interview, in today's episode, the episode you're listening to, I have, um... My new good girlfriend, Miss Ryan Mitchell. She is the gal that was on. She's not a gal, first of all. She's a man, but you know how I speak. Um, he was the guy that did the commentary after the Sherry Pie interview on the Tamron Hall show. And I wanted. Uh, we speak about this in the interview, so I don't want to go too much into it. I try to use my voice to hold a space for different aspects of our community. I try to hold space for the African-American voice. I try to hold space for the trans voice. I try to make sure that my voice lends itself to these other voices. But if I can have a person who walks in those shoes beyond this program, I'm going to. Because it can't always just be my voice speaking for another community. Um, and I really wanted to hear Ryan's take on a lot of the stuff that was said. Um, and last week was incredibly stressful for me. Um, I really... I could get emotional. I really don't want to. So just give me a second. Um, oh my god. Not the funeral music. Um, it was the five-year anniversary of my mom's death. Um, it was the first time I've dealt with that without relying on drugs and alcohol. Um, I've relied on that for years, even when she was alive and sick. So, you know, I kind of had like a weird week. And then the opportunities that presented themselves for this podcast were something that came up and I had to weigh very heavily on and ultimately make my decisions, which I did. Um, so today is Ryan. And then next week will be Margaret Josephs from The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Following that, so March 1st, I believe, because tomorrow is the 20, tomorrow's the 22nd, and then we have Margaret Josephs on the March 1st, and the week following that will be my interview, my, um, probably the biggest thing that I've done is going to be my interview with Sherry Pie. And we will dive in. There's no questions off limits. Um, I have spoken to many of the victims of Sherry Pie's sexual assault. I will be having interviews with, I believe, at least two of them. I've already done one. There will be another one, I believe. Because I think it is important for everyone's voice to be heard. But there were questions that were not asked in the Tamron Hall interview. And there were some major key points of how dark this sexual assault was that were not brought up. 
and the opportunity presented itself. I want this to be heard right now. The, the opportunity presented itself. This is not something I went after. I did not go emailing for this. It, it is an opportunity that came my way. I'm taking it because I am the voice that's not going to give a fuck about making her comfortable. Um, I'm not attacking her when I interview her this week, but I'm going in there with questions that I want answers to, that I truly believe our community wants answers to. With that being said, uh, I know there's going to be backlash. I know there's going to be a lot. Uh, I've made this decision after a lot of conversation with myself, my husband, people in my circle, people in the you know, media realm, um, people that work higher up in shows like the Wendy Williams show and people that work for us weekly, asking a lot of opinions. And um, to be very honest, what made it the decision for me was that the victims felt that my interview would be more beneficial for their stories to be heard and to actually hear the truth. Um, and I want to know what the fuck the end goal is because this whole thing isn't making sense to me and I want to find out and I the only way for me to get the answers I want is for me to ask them so just know in the coming weeks this March is going to be a fucking wild month on this podcast but for now for tonight please enjoy my interview with my new good girlfriend all the way from the west coast honey she is Miss Ryan Mitchell If you guys are fe feeling like having a beverage during this, you know, um, after speaking about what I just did, I've been needing the thought of a beverage, but um, has passed my mind. But you know, as I am on the sober Sally train, choo-choo, I am still indulging myself with Mingo Mocktails. Um, if you guys haven't been on my journey, Mingo Mocktails is a pre-bottled sparkling beverage that um, already comes flavored. You don't have to mix it. You don't have to do anything. You pour it right out of the bottle and you can have a crafted mocktail experience. You can also use it with liquor and it would be a phenomenal mixer if you ask me. Um, I believe Renee had it. She's going to be on the podcast in March too, so we'll ask her. Um, you guys can go to minglemocktails.com and use code 10hardcore for 10% off your order. And you guys, they're $8. And I really am telling you, get the Bellini and the Cosmo. With that being said, I'm going to go get some now and brace myself for all of this week. All right. <laughs> all right. There we are. I'm so, down. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Hardcore Honest Tea Podcast. Today, I am joined by Ryan Mitchell, who some of you might know if you're hip and cool from Snapchat series Sound Up from MTV. And I personally got to know him this week when he was a guest on the Tamron show discussing Miss Sherry Pie. <laughs> so, yeah. hi, how are you, doll? Hi, thank you so much for having me on. I was, I was like, you know what? I saw your email and I, I saw you reached out. I was like, why not? I'm not doing anything on a Friday. Let's do it. I mean, and to be quite <laughs> honest, you had such a like. There's, you said things that are just so unspoken. Mm. about all of this and this yeah. com and that sub community of ours as a whole 
Yeah. Um, you know, I've been doing drag in New York for 13 years and I have many friends that have gone on to the show. Like Bianca was my roommate, my best friend, my oh, wow. best man at my wedding. So like, I know a lot of the girls from the show, especially yeah. being from New York. Um, but the minute you touched on the race subject, I was like, there is... Yeah. And it's something that, you know, as a white man, white people don't like to talk about it. Yeah, it's uncomfortable. And I, I get it. We, you know, I think we have seen, especially last summer, we saw this country go through this like awakening and reckoning of being like, oh, we can no longer ignore this. This is what it is, right? And um, I think as a person of color and a queer person of color living in this country, we automatically live with this. This was nothing new for us. But I think as a fan of drag and as a fan of drag race, it you can't have a conversation without adding in the nuances and the context to the larger conversation. And I think for me, that's what was important. I, I never disagreed on the fact that Tamron Hall should have had the, the survivors on. I think they deserve that platform. They should have been asked to come on immediately. Nobody want to hear from damn Sherry Pie, especially when she didn't even say anything. And so for me, it was frustrating to be on that side and then also be on the side of being like, well, wait a second. A lot of the critique, it feels like it's tiptoeing on this line of massage noir and uh, misogyny and anti-blackness because no one's familiar with a Tamron Hall and they don't understand that the type of interview she does when she does go down this lane, they are hardcore. I mean, she does not have a problem no, with she putting does not. someone in their place. And that's something that I was initially excited about when I saw the reveal. I was you like, oh, cool. this is going to be great. I thought she, as you said, I thought she was going to hold her feet to the fire. Yeah. Um, and I do understand that it's morning television. Like it comes on, it came on at 10 o'clock here. I don't know what time yeah. it comes on everywhere. And I understand that you don't want to talk about the fact that this white man had people injecting steroids. You know, this is a lot darker than she made yeah, it sound. She, she made did. this sound like it was a lifetime movie thing. And yeah. in all transparency, this is coming out on Monday, the 22nd. Um, okay. I was contacted this week to have Sherry as a guest on this podcast. Oh, wow. And, oh, my goodness. I and, mean, that's literally what we talked about. Should you be giving these people, like, a platform? Well, yeah. and I have so many friends. Well, not so many. I have three or four friends that were personally victims, personally victimized by Regina George, um, <laughs> by Sherry. And, yeah. you know, it, it is so important for me to have these voices heard over hers. Mm -hmm. um, and in speaking to these people, you know, the something that's, like, we don't really know each other, you and I, but, like, something that's really well known about me is, I'm going to go for it. And she's going to yeah. fucking get her ass dragged by me. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, I didn't think she would agree to it because I'm going to ask the fucking questions. And I said that I will do it if there's nothing off limits. If I get victims to speak, like this isn't going to be a one-sided thing for her. Right. Yeah. And that, that was like, I think my main critique um, with Tamron, because I knew that she was going to be able to do the interview, but when I saw the the promo video and they were like wrapping her into this guise of a breakout no. star and like just alleg lewd allegations, I was just like, mm, The word no breakout way. stars shouldn't have been 
Yeah, it, it was it. triggering. It was like, are you, no, I hate that you're using that term because that's not what it is. And so it also, there is so many layers to this because that also shows that some people are just taking up space when they shouldn't be. They shouldn't be like Tamron Hall. Yes, she can do great investigative journalism, but were you the person to be having that no, conversation? It, needed, it needs to come from a queer person. One, yeah, for sure. I, I truly think it needs to come from a queer person, a person in the field that she does. You know, yeah. and a lot, when all of this was go first started and I was I was on the front posting about it, I was tagging her and everything. I'd like I don't I don't give a fuck. And like yeah. that's what everyone knows me for. Um so when this opportunity presented itself, I reached out to people I know that were, you know, victims of her. I'm interviewing one of them later, one of one of the more vocal ones, and someone who's never even done press about it because wow. their yeah. story's very different. Um there's twists and turns in that. Um, and, you know, it was, it's so important for me to have those voices heard. And I think that was such a misstep on the Tamron Hall segment, because I thought, I really thought it was going to be like 10 minutes. And the fact that it was 30 minutes and, you know, she said, we invited all these writers. Why didn't you invite victims, especially knowing that the victims reached out to the show? Yeah. Okay. So that was a part where I was one confused because when she even said that I was a writer, here's, let me break how this all happened. Right. Yes. I think when they saw the, the initial response online, they were like, okay, let's get folks on. And so they, I just had a tweet basically calling out, of course, like I said, the anti-blackness and a lot of the responses, right. Being like, you can have your opinions, but just note that a lot of this stuff that you're saying is lined with some things that we need to be looking at closer and closely. And, um, and so I tweeted that and basically it, nothing really happened. There was no real engagement. I was in a conversation with a great person um, at Theatrical Gay, I believe their ad mm -hmm. is on, on Twitter. And they were really, we were basically having a conversation of like them not really knowing who Tamron was and then me understanding their frustration when it came to the casting. And that was basically it. And then I received a DM on Instagram basically asking from a producer or a booker for, the, for me to come on to tell my, my, my POV. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Why not? And I think often, especially because I'm, I am queer, black and fat, you don't see people in these spaces to give their cultural comments, like their comments yeah. on these. And so I was like, you know what, if I can go on there and bring some nuance to a conversation, then I'm all for it. And so I had uh -huh. all these conversations with producers and um, it, it felt like, okay, I'm gonna be able to just be as completely honest as I want to. And I thought it was gonna be a panel of people so we could have a great discussion, um, but it ended up just being me. And so once I found that out in real time, like literally five minutes until I was going on and they were like, stand by. I was like, oh, it's just going to be me. And then when they described me as a writer, I was like, first of all, I've never written anything in my damn life. I don't want to write anything. I'm not a writer. I don't need folks calling me, asking me to do op-eds and shit. That's just not for me. Um, but when I wanted to go on there and I, I felt like it was so quick, it, it felt like it was like five minutes, but then I realized it was a seven minutes segment yeah. once um, the interview, but I got to see the interview play out in real time. And I thought when I was watching uh, Sherry Pie, I was so frustrated. I was like, what was the purpose of this interview it's not you're not telling me anything i i 
forbid that you're actually going to be blaming this on your mental health because no, ma'am. And then also, um, it just feels like the privilege that to have for you to have the opportunity to go on national television to tell your side of the story, honey. Your your sis and your your sis assuming because I'm assuming that um and you're white. Of course, you're going to be able to have this opportunity. Uh -huh. It's gross. And I think for me, I wanted to make sure I, I brought in the nuances, but then also was like held space for saying that we need to be, when you decide to have these conversations with these people, you need to, us as media folks need to have the awareness of saying we have to be sensitive to these topics. We need to be giving everyone the lane to speak and have that same opportunity. And a lot of people kind of pointed out, even my mom pointed out, she was like, oh, she was interrupting you and stuff. And I was like, I get it. It's TV. I do radio, seven minute segments. You got to kind of get a, a lot in in this yeah, time. Yeah, you got to get, so get it in. I was just hoping that I, I am, and what I was doing in that space, I was hoping that I was bringing nuance and, and holding space for a lot of the survivors because I know that is such a, that was a triggering thing if they actually sat there and watched that interview, yeah. putting themselves in that, no. And so I was trying to, I was, I really hope that that's what I did. Um, and I feel like I, that was such a learning experience for me that, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just hope that I did <laughs> I, I mean, I I'm telling you, it was the best best part of the whole segment was your part. Um, there was a Thank part you. where I was like, is Tamron Hall like mad at this man? Because it did seem at a certain point, I was like, is she about to read him? <laughs> like, it yeah, was she got, she was really, <laughs> that's the only thing that I felt like I in, I enjoyed about the interview was that it did seem like she was building up steam and she was like not going to let him kind of, you know, skate by. Yes. There was some energy. Like I was like, okay, there's, there's some fire in this, but then it just, it did. I don't feel like it went to the, the depths of it. And I think that's also why I was, I wanted to make clear because she kept framing it in ways that felt like, oh, Sherry Pie just, is a representation of this community. Yes, no. And so that was why the first thing I wanted to say was Sherry Pie does not represent this community for those people in the middle of America who want to build off of this moment and, 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 and fuel harmful stereotypes when it comes to being predators and all of these things that queer folks and trans folks have to go through. Like he does not represent us because he made some no. shitty decisions. Yeah, and I thought that was like the most... I, I was like applauding you because that was the first thing you said that because people in middle America are going to go, well, here's the gay community. It's, uh, you know, a sexual assault. Yes. And like that, it's what we see on Lifetime and date. And I'm from the South. I know I grew up in, in, in the, the depths of like Christianity and, and Pentecostal. And I feel like that is literally all you hear when it comes to framing queer folks. And I'm like, that is just unacceptable. It's unacceptable for this person to get this platform. And then that is what, you know, we're kind of framing it as like he, what does he have to say for the queer community? I don't, I don't know you're him, not, but I don't give a fuck about him. For me. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's what was, that's why I was sitting there so frustrated. I was like, you know, I can't, I cannot do this without saying this just like point blank, yeah. period. Because I might not get ever get this chance again, yeah. literally. No, I mean it's the it's so confusing to me because you know you see it broke. She said, "Okay, there's going to be this interview," and everyone I saw it on Friday, and I was like, "This has to be a joke." Like, yeah, what could this fucking queen possibly have to say? And then you know, 
you see all of a sudden the Facebook um, cover and profile photo is rebranded. You go to the website. There's oh, now there's that. now a merchandise coming soon. There's a tour logo. There's a th- something in the bio that says I represent people in the LGBT community that are like mentally unstable. I mean, it's a whole. This is a whole rebranding. Um, See, I didn't even I didn't even look that far into it because to be honest, once the news broke when I was watching season twelve, I can compl- like just like that season, I completely wrote Sherry Pie out of my uh-huh. mind. And you can go back into my tweets and and search it. I was dragging Sherry Pie left and right and being like, <laughs> "Wow, if Sherry Pie didn't make this awful fucking decision, she Loki probably had a, a possibility of actually winning." If you want to be yeah. real about it, no, she and so did. It was it was a, a whole thing of like. I'm hoping that, and I think that's one of my major issues. We see it from politics, from like fucking Kellyanne Conway to Sean Spicer. White folks in this country, they get the opportunities to rebrand themselves. And it's just okay to have this moment for Sherry Pie to go on the show. It just was like, for what? And if at least if you're going to do it, don't be like smirking and just being like, all I want to do is apologize. The, fa- like, no, the faces, you. the faces, <laughs> and the fact that in your first two minutes you said, all I want to do is say, sorry, and that's all I have to say. <laughs> what? Well, then why are you here? In my why first two are minutes, you here? In my first two minutes with her, I'm going to say, I don't want to hear the words, I'm sorry, out of your fucking mouth. Yeah. What I want to yeah. hear is truth, bitch. So hope you're wearing a seatbelt. It's, it's so true. <laughs> Because, you know, in my mind, and you really brought it up in a way that made sense to me when you said, you know, she's white and cis-assuming. This, my friend said to me, and like, I'm just using this name as hypothetical, if Latrice Royale did this, we never would have seen her on a TV show on a national. We don't see the winners on talk shows. No, we don't. We don't at all. And if we do, they have to be deemed um they can't be fat. They can't be they can't they have to be skinny. They have to be the fashion girls and even they like they have to basically be like a Naomi Smalls and even then as black or brown queens or queens of color, they are at the low of the totem pole. I mean, it, Bob the Drag King was the first queen to reach a million followers. And then now he's being surpassed by all the new and up and coming queens who are oh, like the he- Gigi Goods and all these things. And I'm like, it's, it's just inherently just gross. And when you hear the stories um, of, of what the queens go through, it just, it really, really bothers me. It really does. Yeah. And I, you know, and the worst part is this is, this whole fandom like switched in the past few years. Like I remember early on, it was like everyone got a fair chance and everyone was like equally liked. And then there was somewhere around seven or eight when everyone was like, I'm team this person. I hate everyone else. And it just happened to be that the black girls were not getting the follows. And you see like Bob even doing this year, like saying, let's get Tamisha to 100,000. Tamisha yes. was everyone's favorite and she's not at 100,000. Yeah, and I mean, I think to be quite honest, it really feels like she was only, if she didn't have the support of a Bob who was like on it, like, I mean, hardcore promoting for yeah. her, we wouldn't have seen the same type of energy. Tamisha would have not have been the quote unquote fan favorite. And I think um, a lot of times when you kind of examine the show, it it's just honestly a reflection of what we see in society. And like, Inherently, yeah, the show has evolved and, and grown a lot. They're making the you know better decisions to be inclusive and things like that. But 
I don't know if the the show does enough to explicitly call out anti-blackness or racism in the community. I mean, you <laughs> saw them try this year. They were yeah. like, be kind to each other. And if someone's going to hate you, just block them. Yeah, and it's just, that's just isn't enough, especially when the Queens of Colors income is tied to if people like them or not, yes. right? We're talking about survival at this point. Yeah. And if you're seeing, no shade to like Trixie and Katya, because I fucking love them too, but it's just insane. They are the quote unquote blonde hair, blue eyes, Queens, the Alyssa Edwards, blonde hair, blue eyes, but Alyssa Edwards got a little, you know, a little like, you know, swag to her and yeah. some, you know, where people that they just are attracted to that. Um, but you just don't see that same respect. And I, I'm, I'm appreciative that we've seen in this last year. Or so we've saw Queens of color, like Jada Essence Hall, Shea Coulee and Priyanka be able to have the spots, but because we're in the global pandemic, they can't, uh, they can't benefit from it. I mean, I said, <laughs> I said this just, this like fan, this RuPaul's Drag Race probably planned this shit because <laughs> it is not, there is no coincidence that we have three queens of color that are having to do shit in their living room. It's awful. It's, <laughs> I mean, it's absolutely awful. I mean, I it, it sucks. It really, really does suck. But I'm hoping, especially after the year that we had in 2020 and coming out of the political bullshit that oh. we were in, I'm hoping that people stay engaged and have that fire that we saw when people were taking the streets. And that goes into these subsections of our culture. Like queer culture, to be quite honest, I, I, I have a friend who is a political journalist and um, he's just amazing. His name is Jared Hill. And he said something that was so clear to me one time um, where he was talking about when you're talking about humanity, oftentimes in this country, whiteness is that default. And I think a lot of times when you're talking about queer culture, whiteness can be the default. And because it's the majority, right? You're not really talking about the subsections or it has to receive some type of mainstream attention from everyone else for them to really see the depths and the the um, the the reason why it matters. And I, I think we should be fucking abolishing all that. We should be tra transforming our minds into something else and seeing and uplifting queens of color. And I think it's going to be difficult if we don't start off by just our regular actions that we see online and how the hot takes are and where people are coming from. Because I get it. We should be holding Tamron Hall going back to that accountable. We need to be holding her feet to the fire because no one is uh, exempt from, uh, you know, critique at all, everyone yeah. can, can get it. Um, but I also think we have to realize going automatically to this idea of like, oh, she can't do it because I've never heard of her or she's only doing this for ratings. That Those type of comments are honestly invalidating the, 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 the victims and the survivors yeah. who are actually needing to get their voices out. And it, th those other negative comments are wrapped in some real gross, like, like I said, massage noir and just anti-blackness that I'm just not going to ever fuck with. And I will most definitely continue to call it out because I'm such a fan of drag. I feel like drag yeah. is so fucking incredible, especially for me, who was a, a Southern kid who grew up in, in the church and, and had a difficult time really being able to express my queerness. And now that I work in, in queer spaces, 
I have so much respect for queens. Like that, what, what they do and what you all do is just, it's fucking incredible. And so when you're talented, I'm, I'm just like, every, we, we need to see, we need to, we need to, everyone needs to get that same respect. It needs to, to get back to giving the girls the respect. Like I just remember the outpouring of love that Latrice got in her scene. Yes, yes. And like, yes. I worked out on Fire Island every summer and that was back when they would tour the girls. So they, she came out for the absolute tour and I have never seen anything like it. I mean, people were climbing on top of each other to get into the <laughs> venue. I mean, I'm not kidding. White, shirtless, muscly gay men who, yeah. who years before would hate drag were climbing on top of tables to get a view of Latrice performing. And I remember being like, this is a pivotal moment because one, g- feminine queer men are now being accepted into our own community. Yeah. Right, and right. black feminine queer men are being accepted into this community. Right, and I think somewhere this has taken a turn, and it's these little thirteen-year-old fucking girls named Hannah on their parents' internet. <laughs> <laughs> that like me and Bianca talk about this all the time. I'm like, do you not care? And she's like, these fucking little girls, like, let them come at me. And that's I, yeah, that's all. Yeah, I mean, like, I feel the same exact way, especially when it comes to like seeing comedy. Like, because I've gotten. Well, since I've done the interview, I've gotten actually a huge amount of love. Like, I've, I feel like people have really kind of identified what I was saying, and I appreciated that. But I've also gotten the folks who, you know, have said negative things or, you know, even said that I, because my statement saying that, you know, Sherry Pie doesn't speak for the, the community. I don't even speak for the community, which is very true. Our community is not a monolith. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just bringing my nuanced perspective as a queer yeah. Black person in this community who is a fan of drag. And so you just have to kind of ignore it because oftentimes people are just really mimicking just things that they've either heard if they're young from their parents <laughs> or the communities around them or what their friends are saying on the yes. internet or they and, just want to talk to be talked. Yes, or if they just want to, like what we, me and Bianca talk about sometimes is like these kids just want a response because you, <laughs> yes. you, see, you see it. These yeah. kids will be calling people the N-word and if someone call, writes back, they're like, I'm just so sorry. I was just kidding. Mm-hmm. But it's mm-hmm. not funny. And like, not. I do say this, it's the only time that I really ever give Drag Race a pass is like, how are they supposed to control this? Because, you know, it's really incredibly difficult to control the internet. And like, you can't control these children. And at the end of the day, we all have our favorites. I think it's just, it's become, seeing it in numbers now, and you can see who has what, has made it so obvious of how horrible it is that it's just like, in all honesty, these white girls that are getting all these likes and fans are the most untalented group of fucking crackers I've ever seen. Shame. Girl, like, what does <laughs> what does Gigi Good do? She stands, oh like, what does she do? No, you ain't gonna get me in trouble because I, not, not, I'm not even gonna lie to you. Now, I love me some Gigi Good skinny ass girl. Like, I love, I love her. And she knows how to do some black hair because the way she's been girl, girl, the way Simone's she got hair, Simone's hair together. I'm like, what the hell? What, what Crenshaw Compton Boulevard has Gigi Good been hanging out? Um, but yeah, I think it's really interesting when you talk about um, this idea of, there's obviously a hierarchy and then even like a double standard. Like, you know, there could be queens who are just like 
They are. I think we have to look at fashion as a, a bit of a talent because I, I used to work in fashion. And so I think there is something very artistic and beautiful about kind of putting it all together. But when you're thinking about kind of like comedy queens and you're thinking about the whole thing and there's just so much talent out there where people are just not getting the same um, respect or shine just just because they don't fit society standards or even the drag culture and gay queer culture standards. That's where I start having an issue with it because I think when we're already mimicking like misogyny and the patriarchy, we're bringing it over to our queerness, which is supposed to be like our freeness and us just being ourselves yeah. authentically. That's where I'm just like, why are we mimicking shit that's already been oppressing us? Yeah, <laughs> it's not. It doesn't. It doesn't. It's not going to benefit us at all. It's not going to help us. And so I, I, I don't know how we really control it when it comes to the internet because the internet will be the internet, but it just hurts. It does really hurt to watch when Candy Muse is talking about her mom and her parents are getting death threats, <laughs> and just because you know, or even Silky Ganache when and and Danji and all them. Like, gotten death threats just because they have been loud charged in and in, in their their own authentic personality yeah. right it doesn't absolve any actual validity or actual concerns that you may have about who they are but when you're going into these territories of racism and microaggressions yeah we have an issue yeah i mean that's not the reason i don't like silky but <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I can not give everyone, you. not everyone will. I mean, I have a bone to pick with her too. I've been um on in the sense of when her and Vanjo and Porta Verata, whatever, however you say it, and they weren't paying, uh, they weren't, you know, following guidelines, you know. <laughs> I they because they've been on Clubhouse. I don't know, you know about the app Clubhouse, right? I, I've heard of it. I can't, I can't do all of this. <laughs> They were no, they were on Clubhouse, and it's like this audio app for anyone who doesn't know. Um, and basically, they were on it, and I was in the same room with them. And I was like, "Damn, I really want to take this time." Like the journalist in me, I'm like, "I really want to take this time to ask them, like, why were y'all in? <laughs> like, why were y'all there in the middle of the pandemic?" She said, See, it's, I, "She said it's my birthday, and I don't apologize, and I did what I did, and I do it again." And that's and that's also a privilege. That, yeah. I mean, if that's what you want to do, that's a privilege. I think we all have a, a, a privilege in some way in some yeah. form and uh i think it's okay to acknowledge that and accept that but it's also when you know you're putting others in harms or other further marginalized people or you know selling hand sanitizer and then going and spending a week and saying you're buying a house but you're actually in private cabanas drinking <laughs> drinks at the host hotel for a circuit party hi shangela <laughs> There it is. Very Bob the Drag Queen of Peppermint. Yeah, it's, fracking. it's just like, you know, there's a list of reasons I hate these whores. But, uh, but you know, it's just like, like you said, the internet's going to be the internet. Hannah's going to be Hannah. There's going to be, until the conversation changes, these people aren't going to change. Because we, I know that like, the first seasons, we were just so excited to have drag represented, I think. Right. And to meet these new girls who are just funny and great. And I think that also the casting has gotten to be such a... Um, I don't know. Everyone has a role. It's not as organic anymore. Yeah. Unlike yeah. when you watch Canada or UK and it's just very... Ooh, I'm telling you, UK is doing what the girls could never do. I, I said mean... it. I said it on my Patreon that's going up tomorrow. I said the second season of UK makes US look like trash because <laughs> it is so authentic. Yeah, These girls are just talking about fucking each other and yeah. stealing each other's looks. Like, that's what I want. Yeah, I don't need that's... all this. 
that that does feel authentic for sure. But I do think ways that we can um, combat it is because obviously a lot of the queens, they are the examples, right? And so we've seen it more and more where, especially in the summer where I know Bob, when I interviewed Bob, um, Bob said that he had to have conversations with, you know, some of his, his sisters about why aren't they speaking up about what yeah. is happening in the real world. And I think that is so important when, and I think we're seeing it more and more, um, but I want us to keep that same energy. And even when we're calling out certain things that are valid, like calling out Tamron Hall, I think we still need to put a preference being like, now let's not attack, you know, her being a black woman. It's, or it's so sad <laughs> to me that we even have to say these things, but it if, is. It, it's if it's necessary to say to get people to get Hannah to not do it, then, you know, keep saying, I don't know. It's, it seems, it feels to me like Drag Race is pushing its, like, I know it's only getting bigger and bigger, but for me, I'm like, maybe y'all need to just quit while you're ahead because... Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I think, I think it's so important. I, I do really feel like it, 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 it's so important just because we don't have very many queer, you know... Mainstream. We don't have that much, yeah, we don't have that much queer content in yeah. this mainstream lens. And I think we're, we're starting to see it more, whether we're seeing it in television, movies, um, you know, people that are getting like the shine that they deserve. But I think something like this is, there's nothing wrong with holding a platform like RuPaul's Drag Race accountable and no. saying, if you're going to be on these airwaves, that you need to be evolving as the years go along. And knowing that, hey, what y'all were doing and what was said even by RuPaul himself was problematic at the time, but you need to fucking move on and evolve and create a more of inclusive space. Right. And so I, I think we have to be okay with um, calling folks out in the sense of saying like, hey, yeah, you need to you need to be held accountable for this. There's nothing wrong with being held accountable. And I think we need to keep shows like this on because it does help in some ways. Like what RuPaul did at the end of the day, he is a black queer man and he is at the top of the game. He is literally, in the my opinion, the be yeah, he in my opinion, he's literally the Beyonce of the drag world. Yeah. And so to have that type of representation is needed, no matter if you like RuPaul or not. Yeah. I think it is needed. And so I think. Um, we just need to make sure we're holding folks accountable and saying we need to evolve as times are changing and times are evolving. I need to be seeing that in this programming Absolutely. that I continue to support. Absolutely. And, you know, on top of that, like, I think there also needs to be, and I know there's not, these girls that they pick out of the middle of fucking nowhere that their extent of media is their Facebook and Instagram need a goddamn course in media training before <laughs> press week. Yeah, and I like agree. just a note to like fellow like future drag race contestants if you have a sexual predator history don't go on national television <laughs> well that speaks to the fucking privilege and it speaks to the privilege of him Tamara asking sherry pie did you think this was going to come out and him not even connecting it or saying you know if he like i, I forgot verbatim what he said but it just there was a lack of not a, an unawareness of being like oh yeah i could go on national tv and nothing's gonna happen to me that is what privilege means people if you're still yeah. wondering what it means that is what that means you have sexually it... <laughs> assaulted 20 people and you thought you were going to go on a national platform and they Insane. were all going to keep quiet it's 
I mean, the list of questions that I have is mind-boggling. And if she doesn't exit the Zoom, I'm going to be shocked. And I will yeah. give her her for that. I'm excited. I'm excited for... for well, this is the first time everyone's that. hearing that it's coming. I've been alluding to something because truly they had to get her approval. And yeah. I didn't think she was man enough to do it. But <laughs> I mean, I'm. it seems like she... And I don't know her pocketbooks or nothing, but everybody has been affected by COVID-19 in one way or another with the lack of jobs and financial stability. And so um, I, I would think that that had a lot to do with Absolutely. it. But I sincerely hope that we don't allow her to just come back into no. these spaces. When you do something like that, there's consequences. You know, my I mother mean, used to say, you make your bed, you got to lay in it. Lay in so, it, lay in it. Bed. You got to kind of lay in your and decisions. A year, a year of what you, a year ain't making or laying in your bed. And currently. if you were really, and that's also another thing that I really wanted to point out. If he was really sorry, why wait and be silent for so long? Silence is complicity. You were, you were quiet complicit for a year. And, and quiet and not saying anything. If you really felt some way, yeah, I'm happy you're going to therapy and doing everything you need to do, but you should have been saying something. The reason why there, and, and I always talk about this idea of like the right apology, right? When we hear people do an apology and they take accountability for what they did they apologize to the people that they've hurt and they're not making any fucking excuses and then they go in and show how they're moving forward yeah that's why people will stick by you right but if you're just silent trying to be you know hide away what makes you think you have the privilege to come back and do some rebranding and get some fucking merch? No, I'm sorry. It's not going to happen to you. You made that decision and that affects your career. You may need to go into the drive-thru of a Taco Bell and learn how to do some customer service because I'm sorry, you lost your privilege when you made those decisions. That's I just mean, honestly what it is because it's true. we see other folks in these same positions and they're not going to be able to get the same no. type of rebranding. And so you should not either. And that's how I look at it. I mean, that's just, that is what it is. Yeah. I I think about it and like, I know that it's completely different, but I think about it in the way that people didn't like the Vixen because of her attitude and the things oh. she said. And they'll never give her another chance. That's a prime example. But right? this person who sexually assaulted had people inject steroids, had yeah. them film it and send it to them. And you want to tell me that these pictures and videos are gone? Oh, girl, Miss Thing, let me get let me get you ready to get you together because the getting ready, the getting together is going to be pretty fierce on Thursday. Uh, it is. But I, I mean, I, I, I feel the energy. I know you're gonna do it. You're gonna get. You're gonna really. And I think that's it's what is deserved. It, it, it it's what is deserved, and it's not. Um, it's not my place to to say that he is ever going to get a second chance. It's not no. my place to absolve him from any guilt. If that's what you're doing, we can't absolve you from any guilt. You need to feel that you need to, one, probably he said he was in contact. He's talked to some of the, the survivors or victims. And I'm like, I, you need to leave folks alone. Just well, I asked one of them, okay, like this. See, this is why people fucking listen to this shit. I asked one of them. And he wrote, I was like, I know that you had issues. Like you showed me receipts and everything. Like, would you be comfortable coming on my podcast, talking to me about it? And he was like, no. And then the dot, dot, dots came up. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then he was like, I just can't do it because we're still friendly. What? 
You know, I can't, that's, 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 this is what I want to say. I, you can't process, like, I can't tell someone how to process their trauma and, and the way that they're handling and their responses. If they want to keep him in, you know, their life, then that's their decision. Like, it I couldn't be I, me. I can't police. I know. And, you know, I, I think that's the, the weird beauty of freedom <laughs> because you can make any decision that you want. And I think, people process things in a different way. And if that's how he's processing, that person is processing that, then that's what how they are processing that. Like, no one can tell me or police how I process my trauma. No, I was just know? so fucking shocked. That's sho I, it is I, shocking, though. I, I was mean, like, I gotta go. That's, that is very, that's, that's shocking. It, it, I just can't imagine doing that to a friend. Like, I can't imagine one no. sending a picture of my asshole, maybe, and then finding out that it was my best friend of however many years. Like, and that would just be like, for her what? to get on national TV and say, I'm doing this because I want to remain friends with these people. And I did this because I wanted to keep them in my... There's so much to unpack. Um, there's so much to unpack. I do want to ask you, like, I'm not on Snapchat because in my mind I'm 90 and I barely know how to use Instagram. You saw that I can barely use Zoom. But do you want to tell us a little bit more about the MTV show that you do and all of that excitement? Yeah. I mean, I think right now uh, I'm I'm kind of in this space career-wise uh, that I kind of fell into and I'm just kind of going with it. And so the MTV Snap Show is a weekly culture show where we discuss all things music and pop culture and 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 discuss even deeper why, you know, as an example, why we police black women's body as in into reference to Chloe ha uh, Chloe Bailey and what how the internet was trying to drag her and, and sex shame her and slut shame her for her decisions of being, you know, sexy on Instagram. And I, I love it because Snapchat is such a younger audience. Yes. And we can have these like deeper conversations about mental health, you know, politics, music, and all these things combined. Because I think now we're living in a world where we will not, we will no longer ignore the the nuances and context to the conversation. We can't just be like, oh, what's what is uh, Selena Gomez and Justin Bieber doing today? Like, I'm not, I'm not having me personally. I'm not having those conversations because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> I, so if I want to be a part of something, I want it to be meaningful. And that's what I love about our um, the MTV show called Sound Up. And I'm just happy that I'm a weekly panelist. Like, it's my first, a lot of these things that are happening in my career right now are first. And I'm just blessed to have the ability to to show up because I think that's the reason why I never thought I would be behind the mic or in front of a camera because I never saw anyone that looks like me. Yeah, And so I'm, I'm just trying to do what I know best and make my mama proud. <laughs> and not make a bed that you have to lay in, bitch. And make some money too, honey, because we still live in a capitalistic world Girl, and I got to pay my bills. Who are you telling, bitch? <laughs> Who are you telling? And you got to have many firsts to get to the second and the third doll. So exactly, you are Exactly, exactly. And when wow. does the show come out on Snapchat? Because I want to... So yeah, so it's out every Friday. So there's a new episode every Friday and they rotate the panelists out. Like I'm recording uh, next week and it'll be out that following Friday. Okay. And it's going for the, I think it's, uh, it, it our, we've been actually, the crazy thing is we did a six week pilot and that was like back in September. And then we fi finally got our, our first season um, like, oh yeah, you can do it. And then that started in January, at the end of January. And so we're going on for like the thir like 13 weeks until April. And so, yeah, fingers crossed that it does well. Please like, share, comment, find me on Instagram, Twitter, all that good stuff. And, and let everyone know that you love it so we can come back for more seasons. Yes, and give them your Snapchat and 
your all your handles so they can find you. Yeah, everything is the same at the Slay God, um, S L A Y G A W D. Um, and yeah, I'm I'm that's just me. That's well, just I me. love it. And I have to say, if anything good came out of that goddamn Tamron show, it was getting to talk <laughs> to you because I think you said some really impactful things that maybe, you know, I know the people that listen to this because they're a lot of them are my friends and followers for many years and yeah. they're all very smart. And, you know, maybe here or there, there's a Hannah, but um, you know, I think you said things that like, I don't even think to say and that I don't get to say, and I don't have experience in because I'm a white privileged man. And I think it's yeah. so important to have these conversations, you know, although people think that my podcast all the time is just talking shit. Sometimes you got to have. There ain't nothing wrong with that. You gotta, hey, girl. At least you, you got to, I think if we're going to move forward and move through the bullshit, we got to have honest and real conversations. Yes. And, I, and I love like, that's what your podcast title is. I mean, for me, that is just how I navigate life. And mm -hmm. I think once I decided, oh, this is going to be the career that I chose, I'm going to show up 100%, 150% as authentic as possible and not hold my tongue because you can say anything. It's just how you say it. Yeah, and I, I think it's, it's important. We got to do it. We got to do it. Well, I appreciate you so much for coming and I will, you listen, I'm going to figure out how to use Snapchat and get up on <laughs> because I love everything you say. So I am oh, like, thank I'm you. in. So thank I appreciate you it. Thank, I appreciate you for reaching out. This was absolutely fun and I'm happy. Oh my God. I feel like we're new. We're friends now. We're yes. Like, Hello. Yes. <laughs> I'll have you back a hundred times. Please. Whatever I'll, you once do, you, I'm... once you listen to Sherry, you can come on. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Please, I'm a. I might end up sparking a uh, uh, sparking a fucking blood after that shit. I don't even like... <laughs> do that, and I might have to get my fucking nerves down, girl. <laughs> Give me the weed. They literally, drink. they literally told me they were like, um, "You can't go into this with a pitchfork," and I was like. I mean, it's it's you make the decision that you want to go out and and do your 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 apology tour. Then, honey, it, you can't dictate how people ask you these questions and hold you accountable. So. Hello, well, that's coming. But thank you so much. Um, I'm going to turn this little recording off now. Okay. And that's the end, sis. <laughs>